All right, good morning, City Light. Hope you all are doing well this morning. Before we jump into God's Word, which I'm excited about for us, uh, I wanted to give you a few updates on all the amazing things that God is doing in and through this church. So I was talking to Pastor Luis recently, who is our Latino pastor here at City Light, and he's fantastic, and he's been serving families so well during this season. And he was giving me a quick update on the difference our deliveries are making, and he's been calling the families. And so I just wanted you to hear it from him, the difference that you guys are making through what we're doing. So why don't you share with us, Luis, uh, all the difference being made for Jesus here. Yes. Hola, buenos dias. That means good morning. So I was talking to Pastor, Pastor Nate. Uh, I was telling him that my family and I, this uh, past week, the, we have the opportunity to uh, uh, make phone calls, maybe at least for 100 families. Mm. And we find out that these families are very, very, very grateful for what as a church we're doing. And I wanted just to tell you the, the, the families that they've been uh, helping us to do the deliveries on, deliveries mm. on Wednesdays. Mm. It's making a huge difference. The people mm. that are paying for the food are making a huge, huge difference. By doing this every Wednesday, what mm. I find out is the families are more open to the gospel. Mm. And some of them, listen to this, some yeah. of them are saying, so let us know when the church is going to open uh, mm. its door. We want to come and actually see and listen more of this Jesus that you're preaching. Mm. So, so this is what we're doing. Uh, every, every Thursday I'm recording a, a Spanish mm. sermon. Yep. And then we're texting to these families. And these families are watching the sermon and they're open to listen to the gospel. But this is a, a teamwork, mm. you know. Some people are packing. Some people are giving the money. Some people are delivering. Some people are praying. So I'm just telling you, see the light. Mm -hmm. We're doing great. We're actually serving our community. And our community is responding in a very grateful way. And they're open. Most importantly, they're open to listen to the gospel. So mm -hmm. I think we're doing great. Amen. Thank you. Thank okay. you, brother. Yes, thank we'll you for you. sharing with us. Hasta luego. Hasta Adios. Luego. Bye. Thank you, Luis. Yeah, I was just so excited listening to him share with me uh, the responses we were getting from families, how many of them that Wednesday night where they got the delivery was like their food for the week, uh, how impressed they were that it was actually good quality food. Um, and I know a lot of times people that are in need sometimes get leftovers or what uh, may not be as good. And we have been able to bestow honor on them and treat them like we would want to be treated by giving them quality goods. And that's all through your generosity. Uh, so we're just so thankful. And as we always say, remember, we're partnering with our community. You know, we are, we are not the saviors of the world. That's Jesus. Uh, and we're all in desperate need of him and of help. And so we're partnering with our community. We are servants first. And we're looking to serve those around us uh, and bless them in the name of Jesus. And so we're so excited to be able to do that. We want to continue to do that together. Uh, I'll give you a couple more stories and then a couple quick announcements before we jump in. So just to encourage you, we got an email from Carolina, who's the parent liaison at Falls Church High School, who we've been working with since we started City Light. Uh, this came in this week. She said, we have been so blessed for having the support of City Light Church staff and volunteers. You all have done so much, all caps, for FCHS students and parents since the beginning of the school year. Listen to this. She said, you were the first one to stand up to serve our families in need from the very beginning of the pandemic. 
You have been FCHS's biggest partner and fan. We are most grateful for you. And so that's from a school worker who we've been working with, who's been amazing, uh, telling us that it's so obvious that we are on their side and for them. Uh, it's an amazing thing to be able to see God working and opening doors there. Uh, and also, we've been giving some money internationally. Uh, one of the things is to the international care ministries in the Philippines. In places like the Philippines, the greatest issue with the pandemic isn't actually uh, the pandemic. It's what the pandemic causes with the lack of funds, with people not being able to go to work. Since so many people live day to day and they can't go into work to provide for that day, that creates a huge, huge problem. So few distribution and providing for needs has been a big deal in places like the Philippines. One of the past there that we've been serving alongside with and gave some money to their organization to help supply. Uh, we heard this story about, listen to this. It says, before asking for food packs from ICM, which is International Care Ministry, Pastor Alvin went to his local government office in Dipolog to ask for seeds to give to families so they could plant vegetables and eat. Unfortunately, the department no longer had any. So they no longer had any seeds to give them. So when Pastor Alvin picked up his requested food packs from International Care Ministries, he was overjoyed when they also gave him seeds and soap. It was an answered prayer, he says. Now we can encourage the people in the community to plant gardens. He was further encouraged by the joyful response of the people receiving the seeds and food packs and the opportunities he had to share the gospel. I was so amazed by one of the recipients of the food packs, who was an unbeliever, that when he received the food packs, he said, thank you for this. I know all of this is coming from Jesus. None of this would have been possible at this level without the donations from City Light Church. We are so, so excited and thankful, and I'm just so blessed to be a part of this church and to be working alongside of you uh, to bless this community, to bless communities abroad in the name of Jesus during this pandemic. As we said in the beginning, man, this is an opportunity, not an obstacle. And it's a time for us to step up and be light in darkness. Y'all have done exactly that. The Lord is using it to open up doors for the gospel all over the world. And I promise you, and I can guarantee you, the world is a little bit different because of City Light Church and all God is doing in and through you. So be encouraged, be excited. God is working and moving. In light of that, a couple uh, things I'd like to invite you to over the next few weeks uh, is our City Light Conference on June 27th, which is going to be handling love your neighbor, justice issues, all these things. We want to equip you well. That's going to be amazing. Mark that day. And then join us this Saturday for a Father's Day drive through from 10 to 12 at church. So just like we did Mother's Day in that way, where you can drive through, get some coffee, some donuts, some pastries, a little gift from us. We would love to bless you. So we'll be very safe, social distance, mask, all the gear. Uh, please come drive through between 10 and noon. We want to honor you, Dad. We want to love you and, uh, and just pour out some blessings on you. So come join us this Saturday. We'd love to see you there. And what I also want to let you know is because of our interns being here, we've been able to begin to run some prayer sets during the day. So I know many of you uh, maybe have seen it online already, but from Monday to Wednesday, uh, our group of interns, who many of them are worship uh, leaders, are leading a 1230 to 2 o'clock set. And remember when we came to City Light, one of our visions and hopes was to build a house of prayer, a place where the Lord is engaged in worship and prayer, uh, not just one day a week, but every day of the week. So we're working towards that goal, and the interns this summer are helping us build that. And so we want to invite people to join us online, but also through the newsletter, there's going to be a sign-up genius, and we'll have 20 slots available for each time. So if you'd like to come in the middle of your day, you have to sign up and you have to get one of those 20 slots. But we'd love to have you and invite you Monday through Wednesday, 1230 to 2, sign up through the newsletter and come join us to pray and worship the Lord together. So God is doing some amazing, amazing things. 
we want to continue to see God do some amazing things. So as we've been talking, this month, June, is dedicated to us understanding being equipped to love your neighbor. Right? Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, I love you. I love you. Say, love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. We want to love our neighbors well. Last week, we talked about five action steps especially in light of the recent racial injustice that has been uh, revealed even more clearly to many of us, in light of the things that are going on around us, both with the pandemic and with those other events, in light of all the struggle that's happening around us, and in light of the, the situations we know here in our community, we want to make sure that we are all equipped to love our neighbor well. And we each need to think about what action steps do I need to take to love my neighbor. So last week we talked about five. If you haven't listened to that, please do so. Uh, and last Sunday, uh, me and several others from City Light and other churches in the area were able to do a peaceful march uh, from southeast over on to Capitol Hill to pray. And it was an amazing experience. It was very different than my experience going to a protest on Thursday with Jalen. Uh, that was a little more intense. And uh, to be here with a bunch of believers who are walking to honor the Lord and to fight for justice was an incredible thing. And it was at least a step. So I just want to encourage you, whatever it looks like for you, Let's take a step together towards what the Lord is asking us to do. Also, last Wednesday, we were able to pray together, and that was an amazing time for us to join, take a step to intercede for our community on their behalf. So let's take some action steps. We're going to help you do that, and I want you to be thinking about that for yourself as well. So James chapter 2, why don't you look with me. Today's sermon about love your neighbor is called Show No Partiality. Okay? Turn to your neighbor and say, show no partiality. Show no partiality. When we think about what does it mean to love your neighbor well, one of the key principles is that we need to learn to show no partiality. So we're going to look at James 2. Why don't you open your Bible with me, James 2, 1 through 13. It says this, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, if you, if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing, you say to him, hey, you sit in a good place. While you say to the poor man, hey, you stand over there, or as you sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him, but you have dishonored the poor man? Isn't it the rich, the ones who are oppress you, and they are the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you are called? Now, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you, say it with me, show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails at one point, has become guilty for all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Therefore, if you commit adultery, but if you don't commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so as we jump into this, I just want to remind you one more time, as we talked about last week, that it's so important that you leave space for the voice of God. So many of us are so caught up in all the opinions and voices on the news, on Twitter, Instagram, our friends, our social circles. 
And as much as we ought to listen to one another, and we need to get better at doing that, we need to make sure we are not being consumed by the media around us and that we leave space to hear from God. The voice we need to hear from the most is the Lord. The voice we need most consistently in our life is the Lord. And so as we navigate these waters of a pandemic and injustice and all the other things we need to focus on and spend our time working to see God's kingdom come, as will be done on earth as it is in heaven, make sure that you are with the Lord, hearing from the Lord. There's going to be three particular things we talk about in light of not showing partiality. But I want to start with this. I want you to write this down. This is so important for us, for us to live this out. The sentiment of love your neighbor is easy, but the substance is hard. So I'm asking you, don't just agree, apply. Okay? You all agree with me, and almost anybody in the world agrees we ought to love our neighbor. The sentiment behind loving my neighbor is not arguable. It's not difficult, it's easy. And so often we go for sentiment alone because the substance of loving my neighbor, which requires sacrifice, is hard. And so what I'm asking City Light is that we as a people not just agree that we ought to love our neighbor, that you don't just agree with me that you should love your neighbor, but that we apply, that you apply, that I apply. Because the sentiment is easy, but the substance is hard. And so let's go into the hard space. Let's be the light of the world. So here's three things. I'm going to start with the first one. The first way to not show partiality is to don't play favorites, okay? Don't play favorites. Let me show you this, this scripture here. Verse 8, it says, If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Hey, you're doing good. Good job. But if you show partiality, you're committing sin. So like, hey, you love your neighbor, great. But if you're picking the neighbor that you love, now it's not so great anymore. If you're only loving the ones that you already like, then there's nothing Christian about it. If you're just playing favorites and going with the people that are like you or the people that you understand or the people you have most in common with, your favorite ones, then we are not actually loving our neighbor. Remember, the sentiment of loving your neighbor is easy because we can apply that to people that we like. The substance is hard because it requires us to love those that aren't like us. The substance is hard. You cannot, we cannot be a people who play favorites. If we're going to show, not show partiality, we cannot play favorites. I want you to write this down. If you play favorites, you will prevent favor. If you play favorites, you will prevent favor. If we play favorites, we will prevent favor. If we play favorites, God will not honor our work. He will not honor our gatherings. He will not honor our spaces where we are serving. He will not honor what we are doing. People will see judgment instead of Jesus. If we want God's favor on the things that we are doing, God's blessing on our service and our work, we cannot, cannot play favorites. And I also want you to think about things that we miss out on when we simply play favorites and always go to the places we're most comfortable with, to the people that look the most like us. When we play favorites, we usually miss out on some favor, some blessing that God had for us in another place and another person because we simply dismiss them. I was talking to John Arevalo about this, and he was telling me about 
his wife Leah and how recently they were eating at Chick-fil-A and she always goes after Chick-fil-A sauce like the rest of us, right? That's our favorite Chick-fil-A sauce. And for some reason, she felt compelled to switch it out from Chick-fil-A sauce and to try hot sauce and honey hot sauce and honey instead. And she ate it, and he was telling me how she didn't know what she was missing out on, how amazing that was. And she thought, wow, this is so good. And as I was thinking about this principle, I thought, man, that's a really funny, silly way to think about this, but true, that when we just play favorites and go with what we know into the places where we're comfortable with things that we are used to, then often we miss out on some other blessing through some other person, people, or place that the Lord would have for us because we simply ignored it and never tried it. We were playing favorites. There's people that God wants to use to bless you, to teach you, to help you become more like Jesus. But it's not going to happen if we simply play favorites. You know, there's nothing supernatural about a group of people that gather to play favorites. There's nothing supernatural about a group of people that love one another because they already like each other. That requires no spirit of God. Listen to how Jesus says this in Luke 6, 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. There's a bunch more in those few verses. I'm going to leave that out for now. I encourage you to read that. But here's the sentiment, right? If you love those who love you, you know, uh, there's, not, there's nothing there. Of course we do. The true essence of this is to love your enemies. That's uniquely Christian and supernatural. The true essence of Christianity is to love your neighbor who is nothing like you, you have nothing in common with. That is the true nature of Christianity. It's not anything to us to love those who are like us, to love those who love us, to love those who make sense to us. It is uniquely Christian to love those who are nothing like us from all spectrums and places. I want us in this place to be a uniquely Christian, supernaturally empowered, spirit-filled gathering. A spirit-filled, supernaturally empowered group of people. And that's only going to happen if we attempt spirit-filled, supernaturally empowered things, like showing no partiality. That takes a supernatural power to not only live it, but to even feel it and to think that way. So the work starts with us, in us. There's not just external work that needs to be done, but internal work. So let me ask you some questions, just to be honest with yourself. Where is there partiality in your heart? Just ask yourself that. This is true for all of us, myself included. We need to assess ourselves. Where is there partiality in my heart? Who do I have a difficult time loving as myself? Who? Who is it? Are there any groups of people that I think differently about in a way that I should not? Be honest with yourself. Do I judge people by the way that they look? How do I treat people the first time I meet them? And is my treatment of them based off my worldly assessment of them? I'm telling you, it's got to start with us. To say, Lord, I know we do this in so many ways. And I know in my own heart there's that wickedness of partiality. All of us. And it starts with the Christian church saying, this may it not be so. We do not want to play favorites. So let's start with the internal work that needs to be done in us so that we can do the external work in a way that honors Jesus. So don't play favorites. That's number one. The second way to not show partiality is this. Write this down. Be intentional to show honor. 
Be intentional to show honor. So, right, he goes into James 2, 2 through 7, and he, he gives the whole story. The poor man comes in, and the rich man comes in, and the summary of it is they treat the rich man with honor, and they dishonor the poor man. And Jesus says, through James, may it not be so. May it not be this way. Right? And so many of us, once again, we make our prior assessments of people based off the way that they're dressing when they come through the door of our church, of a house, of a store, or whatever it may be. And so many of us need to learn, need to learn to not view things the way that the world does and to intentionally work to show honor to all people. So here's three quick ways we can do that. The first way we show honor in a way that honors Jesus in a way that helps show no partiality is this. Write this down. We need to honor the dishonored. We need to honor the dishonored. So a mark of Christianity is to lift up those upon whom the world looks down. This is what we do. We honor the dishonored. The world dishonors them, and Christian people filled with the Spirit of Jesus honor them. We lift them up. We lift up those the world looks down on. We show honor to those who receive hate, and we run towards those others run away from. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to engage in the world in such a way that we show honor to the dishonored. We show honor to those who are hated. We, should, we lift up those whom the world looks down. We run towards those whom the world runs away from. This is what it means to follow Jesus and actually live that out in the world. This is absolutely what City Light needs to be. And praise God, I believe, what we are in many ways. I think God has led and created a church that honors the dishonored. And I want to continue to do that and do our very best to do that together. Let's receive this challenge from James 2 and say we will be a church and a place that does not show partiality and that goes out of our way to honor the dishonored and to lift up those who are looked down on. When I was thinking about this and playing favorites, this idea, you know, of, of picking a team came to mind, how you play favorites and you honor the talented and the strong. And I just want to remind us here at church with God's people, we're not here to pick a team. This is not what we are doing. We're not here to find the strongest and the most talented, to gather together the best looking. We're not here to seek after those who we think may be the most influential in the room. No, 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 no. We're not here to gather some A-team. No, sir. We are here to follow the way of Jesus and to intentionally see in others the potential that they have in Jesus as being people made in the image of God who through faith in Jesus, prayerfully through faith in Jesus, have the Spirit of God. We are not here. We don't come here on Sundays, Wednesdays. You don't go to your lighthouse. We don't do anything together in order to pick a team with the strongest and the most talented. No, we are here to honor the dishonored, to give special distinction to them. You know, I was thinking about this and how much biblically God seems to side with the poor and the marginalized. But also, obviously, it's true that God loves the rich. And so what is, what is it that God is doing? And I think we see that here when he teaches us that he loves the rich and the poor. But his point is the rich already receive honor. Nobody needs to be taught how to honor a rich person, how to honor a wealthy person, a person of influence and power, a person of prestige. We already do that. But God needs to help us learn which requires supernatural power to honor 
those who may be poor or marginalized or mistreated or outcast in society or held down by systemic oppression and injustice. God needs to help us learn what does it look like to honor them because our default is to honor the rich, the powerful, and the influential. But that is not to be Christian. To be Christian is to love all of them and to work really, really hard to lift up and honor the dishonored. I think that's why so often we see Jesus siding with the marginalized and the impressed, even though he loves them all. We need to learn to do this well. And I think we are doing this well, praise God. The second way we honor well is we honor without distinction. Look at verse 4. Have you made distinctions among yourselves and become evil? Write this down. Be careful not to make division by making distinctions. This is exactly what happens when we simply see people through their stereotype. Be careful not to make division by making distinctions, by looking at people simply through the stereotype that they are given in the world. We don't see them as the world does, and we don't make improper distinctions. Now, the more I kept thinking about this, I thought, hey, distinction is good sometimes. And I, I was trying to think through, well, how do, we, how do we think through this biblically? Because we don't need to make bad distinctions. We should make good ones. And here's a little sentence for you, for us to know how to show partiality without making bad distinctions, but still making good ones. Distinctions based on discernment that divide truth from error are good. These are good things. Distinctions based off discrimination that elevate one person above another is bad. Okay? So, yes, we make decisions that divide truth from error, distinctions. We say that is distinctly true and that is distinctly false. And we work very hard to make those proper distinctions through discernment that comes from the Spirit and the Word of God. But what we do not do is make distinctions that come from discrimination based off the way people look, the way they appear, their type of influence or wealth or power, whatever it may be, that that elevates one person above another is bad. And as much as we tempt to live this out together, remember, we still have sin in our hearts. We still see people this way so often. And we need to be honest about that. We need to pray and repent. We need to let Jesus root that out of us so little by little we become more like Jesus and we're able to get rid of the distinctions we make based off discrimination that elevate people above one another. And we need to learn to hold fast to the distinctions that we make that divide truth from error. It says in verse... uh, Five here, that God has honored the poor man by making him rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. And so we join God in doing the same thing. A third way we honor well at City Light and just as Christians in general who follow Jesus is we honor Jesus above all. We honor Jesus above all. It says in verse 1 that he is the Lord of glory. Why does he say that before everything else? I think he says it because of this. When we're impressed with Jesus, we'll be a lot less impressed with other people. When you're more impressed with Jesus, the Lord of glory, you'll be a lot less impressed with other people. When you're a lot less impressed with them, you'll treat them probably in the right way. And you'll stop making distinctions among people you think are impressive and people you think are not impressive because nobody compares to the impressiveness of Jesus. So the more I look at Jesus, the less impressed I am with a rich person. Or the more I look at Jesus, the less impressed I am with a talented person. The more I look at Jesus, the less impressed I am. And now when I see people from different statuses, different ways of life, different things, I see them the same because I'm just enamored by Jesus and nobody comes close to him. I'm just impressed with Jesus. 
And the reason we get so impressed with other people, I think, is often we have taken our eyes off Jesus. The more impressed we are with Jesus, the less evil distinctions we will make among one another because he is the Lord of glory. Let me say it this way. You can write this down. The best way to see people equally is to see Jesus highly. Okay, the best way to see people equally is to see Jesus highly. Think about this, right? If you eat a burger from Shake Shack, you will be less impressed with a burger from Burger King. But if all you ever do is eat burgers from McDonald's, then you might be somewhat impressed with a burger from Burger King. Right? If you spent your life growing up in a mansion, and now you live in a nice house, the nice house is a lot less impressive to you because of your comparison. This is how it works with Jesus. He's the mansion. He's the way better than Shake Shack. And the more I see of him, the less impressed I am with the things in the world. The less impressed I am with the things in the world, then the less distinctions I make that are evil and that elevate one person above another. It all starts with our view of Jesus, which is why we keep talking so much that we can't look to the right or to the left so much without looking clearly at Jesus. Because with Jesus comes wisdom, comes an understanding of the way I should live my life. Remember, if I look at Jesus, I will begin to look like Jesus. And if I look like Jesus, I will begin to live like Jesus. So it starts, the best way to show honor, to treat people equally, is to give honor to Jesus, see him highly. Let's do that together, City Light. Okay, so to not show partiality, we don't play favorites, and we're intentional to give honor. The third thing we do is prioritize mercy. Look at this as we close out. He says at the end that mercy triumphs over judgment. So if we're not going to show partiality, we become a people who lean towards mercy. Our first instinct is not judgment. And obviously judgment is good, and judgment is appropriate at some level often. But what God is trying to teach us and how he responds to people is the priority is on mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And I think so often we fall into partiality because the first thing we want to do is judge. Judge the way people appear. Judge the words that they say. The way that they speak. The background that they're from. Whatever. And we judge. We judge things going on in the world around us, you know. One of the things I keep thinking about the riots is, of course, it's not okay to loot and to do all that stuff and to be violent in that way. But what, why is that happening? What is the breaking point that's happening in people's lives? How can, we, how can we look at that and first think empathy, mercy? Like what is happening? Our world is so broken. These people need Jesus. And, of course, we rightly say with judgment, that's not good. Don't do that. But we look with mercy first. We're a people of mercy, a people who have received great mercy. So he says, judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. To be a Christian is to be a unique, uniquely a mercy giver. And you prioritize mercy. And what we need to learn and what I think we do well and continue to grow in is just to say it's mercy first. Turn to your neighbor and say mercy first. Prioritize mercy. Mercy comes first. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy. We need to lean towards mercy. Lean towards mercy. Prioritize mercy. Learn to give mercy in the same way that God has given mercy to you and to me. And the more that we begin to do this, the more we're going to learn to not show partiality. To not show partiality. As he says in verse 1, my brothers, show no partiality. Why? As you hold to the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
The reason why we ought to show no partiality is because our faith is distinct. Jesus Christ is distinct. The one who gives mercy teaches us to give mercy. The one who honors the dishonor teaches us to honor the dishonor. If we're going to hold on to our faith, we're going to hold on to the way of Jesus. We're going to live this out together and we're going to learn little by little to not show partiality. And if we build the character of someone who doesn't play favorites, of a group of people who distinctly show honor, especially to the dishonored, a group of people that prioritize mercy, when things fall apart around us, whether it's a pandemic, racial injustice, all these issues that are happening around us, then the conversations that we need to have will head in the right direction. Our instincts will kick in to lead us to the right direction. Our action steps will be more clear, they'll lead us to the right direction because we have built the character of being a people who show no partiality. And now because that's who we are, then acting in these circumstances becomes more clear and obvious as to what we should do because our instincts are better. And so City Light, let's be a place that loves our neighbor well, not by easy sentiment, like, oh, that's a nice thing to say, but by pursuing the hard substance of actually working to show no partiality, of repenting of any partiality in our heart, of making extra effort to honor the dishonored, of fixing our eyes on Jesus to honor him, of prioritizing mercy, and of making sure that we're not here to pick a team to accumulate the strongest and the most talented. We're not here to play favorites. We are here to honor all and to love Jesus with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So once you pray with me, the Lord would make that come to pass here with us. Heavenly Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you are and have done for us. We thank you that in you we have life and hope. In you we have mercy. And we just pray, Lord, that you would make City Light a place that shows no partiality. A place where nobody's playing favorites. A place where the dishonored in the world are honored and elevated and lifted up. A place where mercy is the priority. A place where Jesus is exalted and we are impressed with you alone. Make these truths from your word a reality. And we also want to thank you, Lord, for the reality that we see, the faith that we see. We see these things played out already in us, and that makes my heart happy, Jesus. And I pray that you would make it more so and more so and more so. We love you. We ask all these things in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen.